Welcome to our podcast series, Getting to the Core Issues. Hello, I'm Joanne Bellotta. And I'm Marianne Harmston. Each segment, we will interview healthcare innovators whose models will help transform the healthcare delivery system and provide solutions to the healthcare puzzle. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about the IBH and reduced ED and innovation. From a data perspective, we're always asked, you know, what's the return on investment? You know, mm-hmm. what's the proof in the pudding? <laughs> so, right. And so we feel really excited about the results that we have been able to produce with the Integrated Behavioral Health Pilot Program and where we saw reduced ED visits in our in our practices that implemented behavioral health. We saw reduced inpatient and ED visits and the total cost of care for those integrated behavioral health practices was $44 per member per month below the comparison group, which is other C- other primary care practices, practices. practices, which are high performing practices to begin mm-hmm. with. So right. we, it, we were really thrilled about that. And, you know, when we peel the onion back from that and say, okay, well, what's, what's the underlying driver? The biggest beneficiary of that was Medicaid. So Medicaid and Medicare were the lines of business or the, the patients that really drove a lot of that. A really difficult population population to address and to serve. Yes. Right, because you can't always find them. Like you said, a lot of them are transient, right. um, especially the Medicaid population. So they're they're a difficult group. I think we're really, really fortunate to have an organization like the Care Transformation Collaborative, which was formed in the way that I described earlier, and it's co-convened by the Office of the Health Insurance Commissioner and EOHHS. It's it's a really unique type of organization. We're a nonprofit, I would say kind of a public-private collaborative. Mm-hmm. And through that collaboration, the table has been set to bring payers, providers, health systems, and others around the table. As you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of players here, and this table mm-hmm. keeps getting bigger, but it's the folks that, fortunately, it's Rhode Island, so we can fit most of the people right. around the table. <laughs> around the table. <laughs> but it is the most, I think it's the most rewarding thing about Rhode Island is that we can really engage with people who we need to and and that you know we can have these kind of collaborative discussions and engage in conversations about how do we make it better and mm-hmm. it's not you know adversarial it's we're all in this together to try to improve the health of you know and the population health the health of people that live and reside in Rhode Island how can we do it better you know that's really it, collaboration doesn't come easy. It takes time and trust and relationships. You know, and I think actually, you know, the co- it takes the will. It takes yeah, the will. And, the, and the co-convening, I think, is important because I don't think that the collaboration would probably happen naturally. Right. But no. because it's it's convened by state agencies, just the convening function brings people together. And then, you know, it's sort of how do you manage that? Well, and then too, I think the leadership, I think uh, I mentioned before how impressed I was with you and also Dr. Scott. When you have people like that, that you have admiration for and are really using deliverables to show you that things can work, I think it's it's not only inspirational, but it it becomes a prototype and different models. You talked about other states. You talked about a little bit about Oregon, Colorado, and Vermont are doing great work in primary care. And I want to get to that. But before I do, we talked a little bit about the fee-for-service model and, and how you've, the collaborative has addressed this. Um, do you feel that there's anything else you'd want to add to that? There's still more to come on the transition from fee-for-service to an alternative payment model that really works for primary care. What I'm excited about is that it's being worked on. For a while, it was like, we really need to do this, but nobody really kind of dug in and tried to figure out how do you do it? it it's not an easy transition no. financially to go from a 
FIFA service engine that's been running for you know years and years to something totally different? And and how do you keep everyone still intact while you're going through that transition of payment model? You know, I think that there's a lot of effort that's been put into it over the last year and a half, maybe close to two years, and we're just about ready to start piloting an alternative payment model through OHIC and then in primary care and then bringing integrated behavioral health into it yeah. like right behind it as, yeah. a, as an extension of that model, which I think is really important. It might be that it doesn't need to wait that long. We're, we're, I think we've got some good evidence here to say it could be done parallel. I'm, ex- I'm excited that it's the conversation. There's work actively being done. There's a plan to, to, to roll this out in a test mode, hopefully in the 2019 year. So you, you mentioned Vermont uh, as an illustration of some of the states that are doing great work in primary care. Uh, and I wondered to myself, is this something you might involve Bernie Sanders in, in terms of what you're doing, some of the pilot programs? Maybe that could be that could reach out across some state lines? I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> but um, Vermont is really a, has been one of the leaders in, in system change on, on a primary care perspective. They had a real blue blueprint, they called it, the Vermont Blueprint for Health, which is a statewide plan for how they're going to move the health system forward. I think there's something to be learned from that, and that would be good for Rhode Island to have a state plan for how we're going to transition. It's not really as well-defined as that, but we're moving forward. We've got a lot of things going in the right direction. We also learned a lot from Vermont about their community health teams. They have implemented community health teams quite some time ago and were very successful in that model. And so we have a very good relationship with our other New England states. We've we've gone to and had them come to, you know, Vermont come, Maine come, talk about what they're doing in their transformation efforts and, you know, where it makes sense. We've a adapted and we shamelessly copy. So there's a lot of really good work going on, you know, in Vermont and Colorado and Oregon, which we stay in touch with all of those states through a multi-state collaborative that we're part of. So not only do we have a collaborative in the state, Rhode Island is part of a multi-state collaborative that is um, convened by uh, the Millbank Fund. And there's about 25 now states that are all working on similar kinds of things with a multi-payer kind of multi-payer initiatives, mm-hmm. um, looking at alternative payment models, looking at how to, you know, reduce low value care and um, improve affordability and quality. So everyone's kind of trying to do the same thing. And yeah. well, I think we were really a pioneer in this concept mm-hmm. of making more investment in primary care. These yeah. states I just mentioned are, you know, all looking at the Rhode Island model of how do you measure primary care, measure it and see where you're at and then start thinking about how you might balance that out a little bit more. Kansas has developed an integrated data system that combines statewide clinical data and claims data for real-time analysis and decision support. Now, I know we have Connect Care, we have uh, we have the health insurance exchange for purchasing. We've got a lot of different moving parts in Rhode Island. Is there any chance that, you know, it's sort of like everybody keeps creating and we still don't have electronic health records that really can speak to one another uh, adequately. As part of what you're doing with your delivery system, is that an area that Dr. Scott is looking at when through the health equity zones uh, on the integration of information? Where I see those conversations happening are at like the SIM level, for example, this is the state innovation model grant, which is actually winding down, but over the last four years has done an incredible job, I think, of bringing people together, um, really fostering this sort of culture of collaboration 
Foundation, it's called, and um, really looking to leverage the assets of the state. So every state is different and they have different dynamics and different amounts of funding. We've worked really hard as a small state to align programs and initiatives where we can. A really big example of this is that the state SIM grant was able to bring people together to create a common set of measures. So when health plans and others are contracting for services, there's a core set of measures so that we all know what we're looking at. So, I mean, there's some really good work going on there. The state also invested in the all-payer claims database, which is really starting to get some traction. It's where we were able to get the claims data to do the analysis on our integrated behavioral health program. Very difficult to do to get all those different claims kind of together from different payers, put it all into a database. It sounds easy, but it turns out to be really complex. (laughs) It's really, I think, coming together and and starting to be a a really useful tool. Um, As you can see, we could use it to evaluate, uh, you know, a a program. And um, I think it's going to provide a lot of information for the state to sort of identify what are the cost drivers. We don't, we sort of think we know what they are, but what's the data that shows us where the cost drivers are? And then knowing that, how do we organize to tackle it? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's starting to happen. And I mentioned earlier that Medicaid has made some really big investments as well in a a data ecosystem that's linking all the different agencies data Mm -hmm. together. So you can see if somebody's in, you know, Medicaid and Buddha and DCYF, and there's all these things that are going on cross agencies, you can start to make those connections and see what's, what's driving it. Right, and right. How do we address it? And that's really where I thought it was so impactful to hear that you could actually identify families that are all constellation of a family that's all, you know, using the system and, and you know, not necessarily getting the help that they need. So right. I think there's a lot going on. Of course, we have our HIE, which um, mm-hmm. is, you know, continuing to, you know, to grow and to add features. So, you know, little by little, it, it's not easy to put all these data systems together. And it takes funding and a lot of attention to manage the data to be able to have credibility in it. It certainly does. Joanne, do you want to add anything to this? Well, I just wanted to mention, you know, as far as your future for CTC, one of the initiatives that you listed was addressing the reduction or elimination of low value care. Can you talk about how CTC is working? What is low value care and how they're working to eliminate it? This is um, an initiative that has risen to the top of our clinical strategy committee's agenda. And it's also an agenda topic that's important to the Rhode Island Business Group on Health. So, you know, from a payer perspective, how do we educate people about what is low value care and, you know, choosing wisely those Mm -hmm. tools that are really directed at patient engagement and patient education Mm -hmm. really help to identify, you know, that certain kinds of tests and certain procedures, certain medications really don't add any value. In fact, they can harm a patient. Tying patient education in with employer benefit plan design, and then taking that and really looking at, okay, there's a few things here we might say that we could identify as, you know, the top five. There's many, many things that bubble up. I, you know, I I think that I in a meeting. Yeah, we have about 550 recommendations from ABIMF for testing it, procedures that aren't necessary. So you can't do 500. Yeah, exactly. So there's a big long list. So, you know, you can kind of like take a look again, using the APCD data and certain tools, you can look at and bubble up those tests and procedures that really don't add value. And like I say, could actually be harmful as a, as a, as a group, we could say, okay, let's, let's agree that these three or four or five things are things we want to tackle. And we can, we can put a plan together to start to address them. We are, 
are very interested in, in that. There's some work that's being done right now by Brown University that's going to be the first test of using APCD data for low-value care for Medicaid and commercial. So that'll be good. So that, that we should be seeing some high-level results of that in um, the spring, maybe even before right. that. So I think we're going we're gonna to look at that and in the meantime start to put together a plan that we could try to leverage our you know, APCD asset, if you will, to kind of really go in and, and very directly, you know, look at some of those those particular codes and those particular activities that could be avoided and look at putting together a collaborative effort to address them. Well, that's wonderful. And maybe that would be the topic of another podcast that you might be able to share with us after you have executed that particular area of development. Um, you've certainly been an incredible guest, Deb. We compliment you on all of the work that you're doing. And I'm thrilled that the state of Rhode Island can benefit by your expertise and your enthusiasm and talent. Thank you for joining us, Deb, and we look forward to maybe having you back in the future. We'd love to to do it. (laughs) Thanks and have a great day, Deb. Okay, thanks so much. Visit our website at eggstringkey.com. Don't forget to share our podcast with your family and friends. Thank you for listening to Getting to the Core Issues, where we bring you solutions for solving the healthcare puzzle.